Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, Martinsville, Indiana contains the entrance to one of the most haunted forests in the entire state. A cabin that saw the rise and tragic downfall of a family sits within the trees here with rumblings of these souls, or something else, not truly being at rest. You also may stumble across the Step Cemetery on one of your hikes here, and encounter the ghost of a woman digging up her deceased child by hand. This is Hometown Ghost Stories, Martinsville, Indiana. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Jackie stared down the barrel of her stick and saw a tiny flame dancing on her marshmallow. Music poured out of a boombox sitting on a log beside her. As her friends continued to tell jokes around the campfire, the group had just graduated high school a few weeks before and decided to hike and camp in the woods for a few nights to celebrate. Jackie looked over at her friend Tasha and let her know she had to go to the bathroom. Do you want to come with? Jackie asked, hoping her friend would take her up on the offer. Nah, I'm good for now, but take this lantern with you. Scream if you come across any bears. Rawr, Tasha said jokingly to her friend. Jackie took hold of the lantern and headed towards the dark abyss. She wandered ahead until the voices from the campfire became fainter and fainter, not wanting any of the guys to stumble across her. Finally, as the campfire was all but out of sight and the voices couldn't be heard, she stopped. She found a snapped branch from a nearby tree and went to hang her lantern from it. As she reached out, she heard her name whispered from the tree line and the hair stood on the back of her neck. Tasha, is that you? She blurted out, but there was no response. As she looked around, something caught her attention. There was a piece of paper attached to a tree ahead of her, and it looked like it had been there for some time. On the outside of the letter, it said, If found, please deliver to Clara Thompson in Martinsville, Indiana. My dearest Clara, it's been days since I ventured into these woods and I find myself lost in a labyrinth of towering trees and haunting whispers. Each night, as I huddle beneath the stars, 
Strange echoes of my name float through the air, whispered by unseen lips. It chills me to the bone, for there's no soul near but mine. I've searched in vain, yet no one stands beyond the darkness. The moonlight dances on the leaves, casting eerie shadows that seem to take shape, almost as if specters are among these ancient trees. I press on, determined to find my way back to you, my love. But these whispers, Clara, they're unlike any sound I've heard before. They call me deeper into the woods, a siren song I dare not follow. Stay hopeful, my dear. Pray for my safe return. I will keep fighting the darkness and hope to find my way back to your warm embrace. Yours always, Jonathan. Jackie stuffed the letter into her pocket. To hell with going to the bathroom now. She just wanted to flee back to the camp with her friends. She grabbed the lantern from the branch and dashed back the way she came. At least, she thought it was the way she came. Yet, there was no camp. No fire. Where the hell was she? As she stopped to try and get her bearings, she once again heard the whispers of her name coming from the tree line. Who? Who's out there? Jackie screamed, followed by shouting for her friends. Now it felt as though eyes were watching over her from inside the forest and above. She went to run again, but something on the ground caught her attention. A crumbled, weathered piece of paper. She picked it up and began to read. My dearest Clara, the woods hold secrets darker than I imagined. I've seen figures, shadows that move with a life of their own. They resemble people, yet they are but fragments of the night, wisps of darkness that dart between trees. Their eyes, if they have any, pierce through the thickest darkness, staring at me with an otherworldly gaze. I fear, my love, for these shadow people seem to draw closer with each passing night. As I write this, their presence looms, and I fear I must hurry to find safety. I have no time to explain further, but know that my love for you burns brighter than any fear this forest can conjure. I must go. Pray for me, Clara. Pray for my soul. Yours forever. Jonathan. The letter ended before his name is completely spelled out, and there's a tear on the corner of the page. As Jackie begins to stuff the letter in her pocket, she notices that a fog has crept around her. The once shining stars were now covered by a cloudy sky as well. The feeling of being surrounded overcame her. As she raised her lantern to see what was close, the small dancing flame within the lantern blew out. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Martinsville, Indiana. Martinsville sits just a bit southwest of Dead Center in the state of Indiana. Located in Morgan County, the town was founded in 1822 and is said to be named after John Martin, a county commissioner. Shortly after incorporating as a town, people would visit Martinsville in droves to bathe in its mineral waters to heal and rejuvenate. 
Eventually, the town would even build the Martinsville Sanitarium to serve those that came. Another claim to fame for Martinsville would begin in 1899. Eugene Shireman would turn the swampland he owned into fisheries that would begin to export fish all across the world. Not only did this change the landscape of the town, Martinsville would become known as the goldfish capital of the world. Within Martinsville is the entrance to the Morgan Monroe State Forest. Spanning 24,000 acres, it's the second largest state forest within Indiana. And many believe that this is the most haunted forest within the state. When you look into some of the hauntings in the forest, one of the first places that will pop up is Draper's Cabin. It's about a mile off the road and available to rent out for guests to this day. Built in the mid to late 1800s, Mr. Draper built it alongside a stone mill that was powered by a creek that runs alongside the cabin. Many rumors of serial killers and murders surround the cabin. However, there's no documentation to prove that any of that happened here. It is said that tragedy did befall the Draper family, and many believe that's why it's haunted. Guests of the cabin have had doors and cabinets open on their own. They've even heard footsteps throughout the night. There's been sounds of wailing coming from outside, but when they go to look, no one is there. Just a short distance from Draper's cabin is Step Cemetery. Step Cemetery sits isolated within the forest and holds plenty of haunting tales. The cemetery began operating in the mid-1800s, and there's a legend to its origins. A man who owned the land was sick and dying. But even so, he never wrote out a proper will. The man had two sons, who both wanted to stake their claim to the land. After the death of the father, there was no further clarification on who would own the land, so the brothers decided to have a duel. Unfortunately, during this duel, both brothers would die and are said to be the first two buried on the land. Reuben Stepp would go on to purchase this place, and that's when the cemetery was created. In fact, Reuben himself was buried within the cemetery after he passed away. The very first ghostly legend occurs from the Stepp family themselves. One of Reuben's sons, who allegedly was murdered, is said to angrily walk the cemetery at night. If he comes across you, he'll scowl and shouts for you to quit trespassing on his family's property. Other than the story of Reuben's son, the stories for the cemetery were relatively non-existent for years. That is, until a religious cult known as the Crabites began using the cemetery to practice some of their more unconventional methods. One such practice was that of handling snakes. The cult believed that they could be bitten by poisonous snakes without being harmed. During one such demonstration, as reported by the Star Press on June 22, 1907, two members were bitten by rattlesnakes and one by a copperhead. Cody Baker was one of the cult members bitten by the rattlesnake and he continued to handle the snake for a while afterwards. Shortly after it was dead in a doorway, someone asked who did it, and the only reply was, 
the Lord did. The Crabites also believed that they could resurrect the dead. They interrupted several burials while chanting, trying to resurrect the dead before going on to be jailed. After a short time, the Crabites would move on from Step Cemetery, but the reports of the supernatural would heavily intensify after they had been there. A woman dressed in all white, similar to what the Crabites would have worn, has been seen wandering around the trees near the cemetery on occasion. The odd thing with her spirit is, once she is within a light source, it is said she transforms into something dark and sinister before disappearing from sight. There are only around 50 gravestones that remain within Step Cemetery, and many of these belong to children, which is where the tale of the woman in black comes into play. The woman in black is often seen sitting on a tree stump mourning over the death of her child. The stump has since been dubbed by locals as Warlock's Chair. The haunting doesn't just stop with the woman weeping on the tree stump, though. Others have claimed that the woman has been seen digging at a child's grave and taking the bones out of the coffin, only to put them back before disappearing. The spirit of a teen girl that was the victim of a homicide is also reported to wander the cemetery. It's reported that she was murdered in the 1950s by decapitation and dumped in the forest. Some believe she still wanders looking for justice, while others believe she is looking for her own lost head. Visitors to the cemetery today have some other creepy tales that they have shared. Multiple visitors have reported to be followed by shadows, hearing whispers and footsteps with no one else present. Perhaps what else people have seen following them is even more terrifying, though. Others have reported strange men wearing all-white with all-white cloaks following them throughout the cemetery. The few brave enough to stop and talk to them have said that when they ask them questions, that they only have one response. We're trying to conjure the devil. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode 106. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley. Hello, Rob. We have a haunted forest, a haunted cabin, and a haunted cemetery. This is like the Midwest trifecta, right? This is the only thing that can be haunted in the Midwest, and we get all three of them? It's a fun one. We're also joined by Dave, who's also a fun one. Look at him. Mm. Look at how much fun. How much fun I'm having over here. Yeah, fun. Yeah, wears blue fun shirt today. So that's good. That's good. This one's pretty wild. This one is, it's got a lot of stories to it. A lot of, uh, a lot of legends I feel like are tied to it, but a very haunted cemetery. And when you have a haunted cemetery that leads into a haunted forest, that's a whole lot of haunted ground to cover. I think the important thing that you just brought up that we're going to 
get into in a little bit after we talk about some of these places is the legend aspect. And I think more than anywhere we've covered, we're able to trace not the starting point, but we're able to trace some of the legends that happen here and the evolution of the of the legends more so than anything. And you'll see what I'm talking about when we start talking about the lady in black. But let's talk about Martinsville real quick, because other than this haunted forest that is technically in Martinsville, they have nothing else haunted, apparently. No, nothing shows up for anything else in Martinsville. Not, we can at the end of the episode and be like, you know, when there's a haunted Popeyes and, you know, the library had a book fall down one time. Nothing. They don't even report any of that. So Martinsville strictly is like, you go to this forest to see the haunted stuff. You can't do anything else. The only other thing that's haunted is the people flying the drones in Martinsville. That was terrifying. That was actually the scariest part of the episode is watching the drones fly. That was the best drone footage that Martinsville had. Let's start by talking about Draper's Cabin, which if you start to look up Draper's Cabin in Indiana, you're going to get confused because there is actually two Draper's Cabins in the state of Indiana that are allegedly haunted and have their own unique histories. But the one we're talking about is obviously the one in the forest over by Martinsville. And there's not a lot of information on why they believe it's haunted. It's a lot of hearsay. We know that Draper, Mr. Draper built the house in like the late 1800s. We know that it was used as a mill. There's a Creek that used to power it right near the house. Other than that, we're kind of left from what I could find relatively blind on the rest of it. There's speculation that something happened to his family tragically. And that word is so broad, right? When we start talking about there was a tragic hap happenstance that occurred with the family. It's like, yeah, well, what's the tragedy? Did they all just end up dying at some point? Because guess what? Spoiler alert. It's going to happen to every family at some point. So was there a legitimate tragedy or did they just end up passing away in the house? We don't know. And then we start tying some of these murder legends to it. Like there's an ax murderer outside, but there's no documentation that there was ever an ax murderer or any type of murderer that happened at Draper's cabin. So is it haunted? Potentially we're talking about a family establishment where Lots of people lived, could have potentially passed away. There could be a ton of energy from this place. We're talking about a water source right next to it. So it has the the ingredients. But again, this whole episode is going to kind of go on that urban legend portion of what we talk about. So, Yeah, you see that uh, a lot in different areas where a lot of this stuff is basically just urban legend. Can't really verify it kind of frustrating for us but uh, you know our job is just to tell the story do you know how big martinsville is it's at least three papa john's i would assume <laughs> i'm looking it up right now according to wikipedia it is 9.27 square miles okay. which is really small i don't know what that means so i'm gonna be honest i don't know what that means you could have told me that chicago is 9.27 square miles and i would believe you no, that's that's really small, basically, is what I mean, which might be why there's so few haunted locations there. What Dave is trying to say is this 9.27 miles away from Tennessee. Yeah, I was yes. just going to say, can you actually point out Martinsville on a map for us is what everyone really <laughs> wants in the chat. Right here. 
Ah, nailed it. <laughs> well done, Dave. It's on my computer screen right in front of me. <laughs> Definitely is, yeah. All right, so here's the next thing I want to talk about with Draper's Cabin. You saw the video of Draper's Cabin, right, Jesse? Right, Dave? You saw the actual cabin. You saw the size of it. Yep. Draper's Cabin is available to rent. The first game we're going to play, and just throw out the first number you think of, how much do you think it costs to rent Draper's Cabin per night, Jesse? Nine point seven dollars. Uh, I feel like I feel like it's really expensive because it has history tied to it. So I'm going to go with twelve hundred dollars for the night. Hmm. Well, it is thirty five dollars a night to rent Draper's Cabin <laughs> in Indiana, and they give you a limit of how many people that you can bring into the cabin for the evening. One. <laughs> is that your guess? One person. Dave. Ten. 14. <laughs> you are allowed to bring 14 people into Draper's cabin. And dude, how? That's what I want to know is like, where are you putting these 14 people in Draper's cabin? There, you can there have can't be ghosts. There's no room. You can have 14 people in the cabin, but you all have to stand up <laughs> at all times. So you will not fit. <laughs> you have to all stand up and sleep outside. It's uh, the ghost was just looking around like, dude, I don't even have space to haunt anything. You want me to open cabinets? People are standing in front of them. Like, what do you want from me? They're all standing up. Sleeping. <laughs> Didn't ex actually expect me to follow the rules, but they're all standing up. Yeah. I mean, there is a two night minimum on this. You have to rent it for at least two nights, three nights on holiday weekends. You can rent so you it. You to save up $70 between 14 people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kudos. I mean, I would go stay in it. We'd have to take turns, I guess. I don't, I don't know how else we would do this. Ulysses says next HTGS meetup. This is where we should host our 200th episode party. Oh my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> we very limited tickets. Very yes. limited. <laughs> we're selling, we're selling uh, 11 tickets. 11 instead. tickets. <laughs> <laughs> One VIP gets to stay in the gets to stay into like a three square foot <laughs> section stay in one of the haunted cabinets <laughs> <laughs> yes so yeah we're looking at this cabin that just supposedly haunted i was trying to read stories there's a lot of people that stay in this forest a lot they stay at the cabin a lot some people are saying it's haunted others are saying it's not and god when you go to a forum looking for haunted stuff and it's not actually like a, a paranormal forum the you read the douchiest comments you ever read in your entire life uh, i mean i wish i saved some of them one of them was like why isn't this in the comedy section all hauntings are fake and it's just like okay. it's like well luckily your comment will never be in the comedy section because <laughs> this attempt at a joke is terrible I mean, come on, bro. Like, so it's just people that are like shitting on it. And I, and it took me all the restraint to hold back from replying to this comment from 15 years ago, hoping that the guy is still alive <laughs> to, to read it. So that's that. Unfortunately, this is all we have for Draper's Cabin. We have people that are saying like they feel a presence watching them. We get the standard you know, cabinets opening when there's room, all that fun stuff. 
um, being watched from around the perimeter is another thing, but that's what you're getting throughout the entire forest where people are talking about hearing whispers, seeing shadow figures and stuff like that. Yeah. Sounds, sounds pretty creepy. I think that it's such a small cabin for people to witness some of the same, like similar hauntings for there to be that kind of consistency is pretty uh, telling in my opinion. So whoever that commenter was can fuck off <laughs> <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah. The official stamp of approval from hometown ghost stories. That's right. Oh yeah. Here we go. I got two stamps. <laughs> I got two stamps. So haunted. <laughs> Do you have any idea how long that took me? <laughs> Probably way too long. <laughs> Stupid long. So, long. Just how so long? you know, I'm going to certify absolutely everything we talk about today just to get my <laughs> just to make it just make it all worth it. <laughs> oh man. All right. So I think we've talked about Draper's cabin long enough. I think we kind of get into the main event here, which is step cemetery and we've talked we've obviously talked about cemeteries in the past but i don't think we've ever really in depth covered one as like the main event in a location that i recall right savannah maybe okay savannah but savannah like savannah itself feels like the main event true like, like all of savannah feels haunted and there's so many more locations to cover within savannah so mm. This cemetery, this is where we start talking about legends because we don't even know the origin story of this cemetery. We get multiple, multiple takes on why this cemetery was created. I found the dual story pretty fun where, as I mean, as far as duels go with both brothers dying in terms of fun is... <laughs> Doesn't get more fun than that. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> waiting for the two of you to do it. Just that's how I want to go out. That's how I want to take over the show. Just episode one, one eleven, Jesse versus Dave in a in a duel, both lose, and then you guys just get me for the I'm rest. Glad to five more episodes. It would conveniently land on one of your episodes again, so you just get to do it solo. Yeah, it's perfect. And then I get to do another brothers duel episode, and I can just say it's you guys are both haunting your cemetery. Or you can just take out the other two brothers. There are two more of us. Oh my god, that's true. Why well, just bring them on for a hundred episodes? <laughs> Every, everyone's warning. I'm like, dude, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> you don't know how it ended last time. It's episode two eleven. Time for you guys. To... Rob doesn't even talk to them about ghosts at all. He's like, so what do you guys not like about each other? And can we start a debate? <laughs> Maybe we resolve it quickly with a duel. I don't know. The one thing that's not awesome about this place is throughout the years it suffered a lot of vandalism a lot of broken headstones and such the 50s the 70s was not kind to this place from what i was reading where people were taking headstones out of this graveyard and placing them like in yards as practical jokes one of the step family members actually had their headstones stolen um allegedly i didn't find the actual story from that but I don't know. It feels like a weird one to make up that it wasn't real. And right, so I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do this, nor do I condone it. We no. talked about it actually in our side content episode on Friday, where we were talking about uh, cursed gravestone. So we're talking about legends. That is the theme of this show. 
And what I want to do is I want to talk about the lady, the woman in black. And the story is essentially the main story is she is mourning the death of her child. And in doing so, she is either sitting on this stump that they call, you know, the, the warlock's chair, or she's standing over it, or she's actually digging up the grave and taking out the bones of the child and placing them back by the end of the night. So we get variations of this story, right? And I want to give a shout out to Ashley Hood. She wrote this story back in 2020. It's on Medium. I can leave a link to it in our Discord. But she actually broke down and, and wrote a whole article about Step Cemetery, all the legends, and kind of compiled them. And when you read through them, you can see like the metamorphosis of these urban legends and kind of what happened with them. And what we have to figure out after we read through them is, was one of the original stories real? And then it just kind of got game of telephoned, which I think happens all the time with urban legends, right? Where either it starts as a, as a joke or it starts as something real. And then by the time you get 50, 60, 100 years later, the the entire premise of it has twisted into something else. So Ashley wrote, the most commonly reported spirit at Step Cemetery is that of the woman in black. There are many different stories surrounding this apparition, apparition but they all have one thing in common, the loss of a child. She is often seen sitting shrouded in black on a tree stump near the back of the cemetery grounds. When approached, she will either disappear or dash into the woods. Her spirit has also been seen walking slowly among the trees before vanishing. Other witnesses report seeing the lady in black bent over, almost as if she is digging for something in the cemetery. Many visitors have reported that the spirit can sometimes be seen crying as she sits on the stump, while others have heard her mournful cries, myself included. On an evening visit to the cemetery, we were greeted by teenagers using a Ouija board. It is an activity that I do not recommend. Following their departure, we continued to walk around the cemetery near the path leading to our car when we began to hear a sound near the back of the cemetery that I can only describe as that of a woman weeping. We followed the sound past the stump and into the woods, but heard it just one more time. I can tell you that the sadness of the sound sent chills down my spine. Photos have also been taken of the woman in black, with the most famous clearly showing a somewhat transparent woman sitting on the stump. She is dressed in what appears to be dark clothing with a veil over her face. It is also said that if one sits on the stump during a full moon, they will be cursed to die in exactly one year. So we get this like metamorphosis, like I was talking about, and then we get into a different variations of the story. The crabites, which God, I forgot. We have to talk about the crabites. Crabites. <laughs> the crabites are a cult that we'll get into in a second, but they're responsible for one of the many ghostly legends associated with a lady in black and the tree stump. It is said that one of their group's followers, a young mother named Anna, tragically lost her daughter in a hit-and-run accident on Indiana Route 37. Grief-stricken, she buried the child at Step Cemetery. But this is where the sad story takes a rather grisly turn. Anna returned the night after burying her child and carefully exhumed the body, 
cradling it in her arms before once again burying her daughter. She followed the same pattern night after night until one evening a tree near the grave was struck by lightning, leaving a large stump. This soon became a chair of sorts where Anna, who was always dressed in black, could sit and rock her daughter before once again burying the child. Locals began referring to the stump as the warlock's chair and did so long after Anna had passed away. Some people claim the chair was cursed and that Anna's spirit remains in the cemetery to this day. And then I have a couple more. I know this is a little bit long, but I think it's kind of important. So there's two more stories that I'm going to go through. Do you guys want to comment on those so far or do you yeah, want to keep I, going? I do. The um, The flash of lightning is interesting. I was reading a, a haunting about that one. It says, I used to live in Bloomington, so it's not very far from me. A friend and I once went there after work one night and we were walking up a pathway to the cemetery and we started hearing things the closer we got. And then all of a sudden there was a huge giant flash of light that lit up the woods. And let's just say we left and never went back. Mm. So I'm assuming if it was like rainy or stormy that they would know that maybe that was lightning or something of the sort, but that kind of sounds like it kind of sounds like it matches up with the lightning striking the tree. Maybe it's some, some sort of a residual thing happening there. Good point. But could be. Could be heat lightning if there was no storm. It's true. I don't know what what time of year it was, though. Mm. So we don't have much more information on that story. But So in another version of this story, Anna was a wife and mother. Her husband, Jacob, was killed in a quarry accident and buried in Step Cemetery. Anna reportedly turned all of her attention to their 16-year-old daughter, Emily, and became protective of the girl. When Emily was invited to a dance, Anna had her reservations but allowed her daughter to attend. The weather turned rainy that night. Returning home from the dance, the car with Emily and her date slid off the road, hitting a tree. Emily was killed instantly. Anna had her daughter buried in Step Cemetery next to Jacob. Anna visited Emily's grave every day and was often seen by locals draped in black sitting on a large stump and speaking to her daughter as though she was still alive. And then basically... Um, much is the same with the same with as the previous tale. The sorrowful spirit of Anna said to remain in the cemetery, mourning the loss of her daughter. There is some potentially some truth to this tale, as there is a Jacob and Anna Adkins buried in Step Cemetery. The couple had eleven children, one of whom Ida May passed away at the age of seventeen. She was buried in Fry Cemetery, also known as Taylor or McGowan Cemetery. Uh, located on North Low Gap Road in the Morgan Monroe State Forest, not too far from Step Cemetery. So more cemeteries are also in this forest. And then I have one final story, unless you guys want to comment on that one as well. I have another variation. There's so many variations of this story. Excuse me, another ghost of a mother who also exists here. Her infant boy was killed by a car and overtaken her by grief. That's not worded very well. Uh, she spent her remaining days at the cemetery talking and singing to her son by the tree. Some say they've heard soft cries and singing near the boy's grave. Mm. So this one has it as boy. Which goes for the next story that I have as well. Okay. So the final version of the tale of the woman in black seems to surround not only the tree stump, but also a small flat gravestone with yellow lettering emblazoned with the name Baby Lester in the year 1937. Baby Lester is buried near the Atkins family plot at the back of the cemetery, not far from the tree stump. You cannot miss his stone, as it is often covered in gifts, including coins and toys from visitors to his grave. It is said that following the death of her days-old son, 
baby's lesser mother would begin coming to the cemetery to mourn the loss of her child. She would often be seen in black and dressed, dressed in black and seen sitting on the, on the stump. Following her death, her spirit remained in the cemetery, has been seen there ever since. In truth, baby Lester passed away after taking only a few breaths in 1937. His mother, Othelia Pryor Lester, and father, Harley Lester, eventually divorced. Olithia, sorry, name correction, later married James Walls and moved to Indianapolis. It is unlikely that Olithia is the woman in black, as she lived to be 85 years old, passing away in 2007, long after the reports of the woman in black began. She's buried in Fishers, Indiana. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So that story debunks itself. Right. So like kudos to Ashley who wrote this article and went through and found all this information. But we see it, right? We see that this started in the 50s or 60s. And it's a story of the woman in black and people just adding and adding things to it as, as time goes on. It twists into one story. We involve the crab bites. We, invo- we involve a different grave because we see a grave that says baby Lester and people are just trying to make it a whole different thing as time goes on. I'm not saying there's not a woman in black that has haunted the cemetery. I'm skeptical because what I think happened, the other thing I saw about step cemetery is it became kind of a hangout in the fifties and sixties as teenagers started getting cars and that generation would go to the Morgan Monroe Forest. They would hang out at Step Cemetery. And when you have a bunch of people, teens, adults, whatever, sitting around, hanging out, drinking, doing whatever, you're in a cemetery. The natural progression is to tell ghost stories about it. So I would assume this actually start. I my my personal opinion is I think this problem this particular story probably started as someone trying to scare a group of people the story caught legs and just kind of got passed down throughout the town yeah it's different variations the game of telephone it's it's basically the difference between stories that actually happened and stories that didn't happen is stories that did happen typically have documentation that you can refer back to so the story doesn't really get embellished because the original text exists where somebody tells a scary story and then it gets passed on to somebody else in the game of telephone and people have an just this inherent urge to embellish a story because they start telling it and they think oh what if it's not good enough got to add this little detail and it just gets bigger and bigger and snowballs and that's how you kind of i feel like you can kind of differentiate a legend from something that actually happened yeah i could certainly see uh see that happening speaking of absolutely shitty thing to do to graves there's a bunch of photos online that somewhat recently somebody set fire to all of the to- all of the toys on Baby Lester's grave. Come on, bro. What like, dude, doing? what are you doing? The worst kind of people are out there vandalizing graveyards. It's just a, something you don't do. It, but, yeah. Can you imagine trying to impress your buddies and just lighting a bunch of toys at a you know a dead child's grave on fire? 
It's an awful person are you? Or could it have been another little lightning strike? Boom. Yeah. Another recurring thing. Maybe it was lightning that struck the grave. But I don't think so. I think it was just people being real shitty. Well, and the problem with that is, A, it's shitty. B, it's disrespectful as hell. C, this is why people aren't allowed to go places, right? This is why you say you want to go go something. You'd be like, yeah, we're going to let you go there so you can burn down the graveyard again. And it's like, well, no, that was one person out of a thousand. But what are people going to remember? Right. The time that somebody was shitty there. Right. So it, exactly. it ruins it for it ruins the experience of just seeing the place for other people, too, because then they start putting up the fences. They start patrolling it. You're not allowed to go see it. They kick you out. It, speaking of snowballing, that is exactly what happens there as well. So it sucks. Exactly. Probably not lightning. Uh, I have quite a few stories from here. So this one is titled Something's There. This is coming from IndianaHauntedHouses.com. It says, I was working the second shift and after work decided to squirrel hunt. That's the most Indiana thing to do ever. Huh? It parked my car at the gate that has a trail to the cemetery. And this trail goes far beyond the cemetery into the forest where I was going to hunt, but stopped at the cemetery and used my flashlight to look at some of the old graves. And I sat down. On the ground. I want to take a guess how much punctuation we've come across so far. <laughs> the answer is none, but I'm going to get through this. I sat down on the ground and leaned back against a tombstone and fell asleep in an instant. I woke up when the sun hit my face through the trees. My shotgun was across my lap. I experienced nothing but a deep six hours of sleep. That was in the late 1970s and before I knew about the history of Step Cemetery. I should have read this because I don't know if I actually saw anything. I, I won't ever catch myself sleep. Okay, hang on. Something is there. I have felt it both during the day and after dark. He had a quick change of tune here, huh? Mm -hmm. um, it's, beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful, serene cemetery, especially in the late fall, and I hope visitors will respect it and the dead. So not a lot there. But he went from never felt anything to something is there. I felt it. <laughs> I'll right, go ahead and proofread some of these while you go into whatever you're about to go into. All right. I got two more things from this article that I want to read real quick. And then we then I think we just kind of close this show out talking about the crabites. Because, because what a name. There are reports of additional spirits known to wander step cemetery. The spirit of a teenage girl has been seen in the cemetery on numerous occasions. It is said that sometime in the 1950s, she was murdered in the Morgan Monroe State Forest and her body dumped near the cemetery. Some stories state that she was decapitated. Her mother spent the remainder of her life trying to find the killer, but failed. It is said that the ghost of the girl now wanders the cemetery, possibly looking for the justice that escaped her mother or possibly looking for her own lost head. Though many reports state that the murder occurred in the 1950s. It is quite possible that this story began to circulate as a result of the high profile murder of Indiana University student Anne Harmeyer in 1977. Anne was reported missing after she did not arrive for her class. As expected, her car was later found on Indiana 37, two miles from Martinsville, and it overheated due to a faulty thermostat. After an extensive search that lasted 36 days, Anne's body was found in a cornfield roughly seven miles northeast of, Mar northeast of Martinsville. She's buried in Milton Cemetery in Milton, Indiana, her killer has not been brought to justice. So that is where we believe the story of the of the girl wandering the cemetery comes from. And I have one final one. All right. Step Cemetery is also home to an urban legend similar to the Hookman of Tillett Cemetery. So we'll have to look into the Hookman of Tillett Cemetery at some point. 
In this case, it is a hook woman who is once a grieving mother. As the story goes, the mother was driving with her son on Indiana 37. Seems like everything's going down on Indiana 37. When they were in an accident, the young boy was killed instantly and later buried in Step Cemetery. His mother survived, but her hand had been severed during the accident, later being replaced with a hook. Her son had been afraid of the dark in life, so the mother ventured to the cemetery nightly to watch over her son's grave. It is said that even in death, she returns to the cemetery to comfort her son and will reportedly chase off trespasser, trespassers while waving her hook angrily at them. This so, sounds like another version of the same story. It's a kid dying and yeah. we're just getting returning to visit. I mean, you, it, you see it now. Now someone's taking another urban legend and mixing it into this one, right? Maybe. I mean, there has to be some truth to the hauntings of mothers visiting their kids. The thing is like, like obviously it's absolutely tragic when you have a child that died. And every time I'm walking through a cemetery and you see a little headstone with the kid, you know, like the age on it, I like breaks my heart. Of course, that's very sad. Yes. The parents are probably going to visit all the time and they're probably going to be unbelievably sad when they do, but that doesn't mean their ghosts are visiting. Maybe in, in the afterlife they would, but there's just so many of these stories that sound exactly the same with just a little bit of the details shifted. It does sound like the same legend being rewritten over and over again or retold over and over again. Mm. And this one, I feel like they added the hook and all that kind of just to creep it up a little bit. It definitely sounds like something that may have been added after the fact. Do people actually put hooks on their hand when they lose a hand? Or is that just like I a... definitely would. How pirates. Uh, Did they though? Somebody just hit bingo. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, the historical I mean, figure Captain Hook definitely had a hook. That's for sure. That's Tell me about this witch. So there is a legend has it that there was an old woman who roams the, roams the grounds. Her German shepherd was hung from a tree by fraternity boys. Mm. As a result, she, being a witch, cursed the boys and the cemetery. That's it. Okay. okay. They were not thorough in coming up with that story. It just really sounds so many of these just sounds like middle schoolers driving by a cemetery and just making up a story on the spot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you had written that for your opening ghost story or any of us had, <laughs> we would be fired. <laughs> right? Like we I would really imagine you guys making fun of me if that was my story. You was fraternity guys. I, I, I kind of want you to do a 45 second opening ghost story now. Oh man, that should be that's we, this is what we should challenge. You would have had to have stretched that pretty far to get it to forty five seconds. <laughs> that's true. That's true. We should right. we should be we should be like Dave. Here are your three prompts that you have to make a ghost story. Out of. <laughs> Good luck. And if you can actually make it scary, you win a prize: a five pack of hometown ghost story stickers. Congratulations, Dave. <laughs> I'll mail them to myself. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll get through it. Boys, tell us about the goddamn crabites. We got to talk about the crabites because we've talked about starting a cult before because it sounds awesome mm -hmm. in theory. We did start a cult. I thought we did. We, we did start a cult, actually. That's fair. It's the church um, of Stephanie's. That's true. Uh, we've all changed our name to Stephanie. So there's <laughs> that. Yes. Um, which is a better name than the crabites. The there's no, there no better name than the crabites. <laughs> I, 
I mean, it's named after the leader who was William Crab. So like that's that's where oh, the name comes from. That I was wondering. I'm, I'm looking. I was I was wondering if there was an interesting story about the etymology of crabite, and it's no. not. No, they just they were named after their leader. Do you want to know what some of their beliefs were? Mm-hmm. Um, they believed that the Earth was not round. Do you think okay. they believed it was flat? I believe, I hope they believed it was crab shaped. <laughs> <laughs> I think I read somewhere that they thought it was like a box. Yeah, they thought it was square. So right. we're in a square earth. Square earth theory. Square Dude. earth theory. <laughs> <laughs> they um, also believe that Christ was born under an apple tree for some reason. Okay. And they believe. Sounds like they're they... conflating the, the Jesus Christ story with the Johnny Appleseed story. <laughs> <laughs> And they believe that they could resurrect the dead. So that is some of their beliefs. And I actually have some stories about that. So from the Buffalo Inquirer in, on May 16th, 1908, five found guilty of riot after interfering with burial of woman at Goose Creek Cemetery. Imbued with the belief that they are possessed of power by which they can raise the dead, 50 crabites succeeded for a time in preventing the burial of Mrs. George Hatley, who at one time had been baptized in the faith. The deceased father struck at one. They, however, do not believe they can be hurt in that manner, asserting that their faith will protect them from all harm from blows. Also claim to know through revelation guilt of another member of the funeral party, claiming he was guilty of destroying their church with dynamite months earlier. Maybe we don't try to blow up the Crabites church with dynamite. <laughs> I wonder if you, uh, if they handed them the dynamite stick and the claw kind of just grabbed it. Yeah, that's, it sounds like a Crabite move, doesn't it? Mm. Like they're just trying to hand people, they're just passing it down a line of 50 Crabites. <laughs> <laughs> All standing sideways though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just dancing like a crab. Oh no. Crab people, crab people. Crab yeah. flashbacks. Oh my God. So they were they were up to six hundred people. Holy shit! In Brown and Morgan counties, um, how boring is it out there? That this is what you do: you become a crabite. I'm sold. I'm in. So weeks later, group again arrested after altercation at funeral in Step Cemetery, when they began speaking in tongues and surrounding deceased sister who did not believe in their doctrine, nephew deceased one of jailed an earlier incident allowed by judge to attend funeral. So we're talking about urban legends in this place and how so many of these stories feel like they're, they're forced a little bit. We almost have the opposite here where we always talk about cult activity and forest and there's never any proof of it. We know for a fact that there was a cult that practiced in Morgan Monroe forest and at step cemetery. So it's almost like a reversal of stories where it really is alleged, it's just alleged cult activity, you know, graffiti that you tied to it. There's plenty of graffiti here too, but it's not, it sounds like this is a verifiable fact. You got that here in at the Freetown State Forest. It was a fact, you know, they found some of the dead bodies in the Freetown State Forest from ritualistic mm-hmm. cult sacrifices in yeah. this one as well. So a little bit different. We get like role reversals. So forgive me if I missed that part of the story. Were they trying to block or trying to stop the funeral because they were like, no, 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 she's not, she's not dead yet. And they were going to bring her back from the dead. Yeah. 
She's she's only mostly dead. In fairness, they should they should let him try, right? What if it worked? Funeral's off. Never mind. Then we're good. We're all crabites now. Then we have that situation from Haunted Headlines where the three-year-old wakes up and kills his grandmother. Yeah, then you got then you got two funerals. Yeah. I guess you're right. Then you get multiple funerals. Nobody wants that. So the other thing is they were they had like this. So they were obviously they they were a cult, so obviously they were having orgies in Step Cemetery, as you do. And we'll just gloss over that for now. I'm sorry, we've never been to one. You're the one without a family, you tell us all about it. Buddy, that's that's for the Patreon members. We're gonna do a special oh. show on that. Uh uh-huh. for those of you confused, that doesn't mean that the patrons are invited to a cemetery no. orgy at Rob's orchestrating. Well, it depends what tier you're in. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Let's talk about the snakes. Thought we were. <laughs> Rob's, orchestrating yeah, I mean, like, a, Rob's orchestrating a snake orgy. I, I, I understand that like there aren't there can't be an abundance of crabs in Indiana. So it's gotta be snakes, right? They, they, they can't do the crabs. Well could be crabs. The, the snakes were a clear so this was like an old carnival trick. Where you would you would catch these poisonous snakes, but you would get rid of the the venom from them or the fangs or whatever, so that you can basically make it look like you're getting bit by this poisonous snake, but you're immune. That's what these people were doing. They were they were defanging the snakes and making it seem like they had this power over nature. You know what I mean? So that's why they did the snake thing. Crabs aren't full of poison, as far as I know. I don't think so. I don't think we'd eat them if they were super poisonous. Somebody's going to send us about how. Someone's going to send us a list of poisonous crabs. Poisonous crabs. There's a poisonous crab that's the most poisonous thing in the world. We don't Um, know what we're talking about. I do want to address this. It's a very sad story. Papa Squatch says, I went to Step Cemetery and saw the ghost of a woman in black who was mourning the loss of her son who died in a ritual called Crab Boil. Where they baptize it in hot water. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> With Holy Old Bay. Who oh, could have man. seen it coming? <laughs> Sorry for your loss, Papa Squatch. Yeah. So that's Step Cemetery, Morgan Monroe State Forest. You know, all the fun places in Indiana, Martinsville. Kind of hit all of that. I mean, that's got to be the only fun place in Indiana, right? It sounds... I don't know. Actually, Indianapolis very haunted. Oh, yeah. We haven't done Indianapolis yet. Uh, a lot of haunted places over there. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to that. Anything you guys want to add to this? or No. We covered a lot of ground here. Cults. Yeah. And snakes, I mean, do you guys want me to read that one no. comment from that guy who uh, didn't find anything and he fell asleep? <laughs> no. Please don't. One comment? Yeah. There's a comment on it? No, no, no. I just, I just wasn't sure if you wanted to hear that story again. No, we do not. Oh, okay. But do you want to hear some five-star reviews? Yes. All right. So this one is from Skullser, titled Great Show, and letting us know that when they went to Key West, they saw Robert the Doll, and that night it gave him crazy nightmares for the time being. The next one is from Dan Dan Glenn Wang, titled DIY Castrating. Good podcast. Got confused with the instructions and cannot reproduce anymore, but very entertaining. We hold no liability to the, what you follow or do not follow. So, uh, but thank you for the five-star review. 
And the next, the final one, EJT, titled Best Podcast, always entertaining and an educational experience. These guys are a lot of fun to listen to. Outstanding research and always fun. Watch out for time slips and seawalls. So, <laughs> uh, so I found our Amazon. Oh, review. did you? How long did um, it take you? I, I, I okay. I didn't find it. Kate found it and sent it to me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you found it when she sent it to you, though. Yeah, I found it here in my phone. <laughs> Read it. There it is. <laughs> so this is uh, says best podcast ever. Five stars. I'm so addicted to this podcast. The guys are super funny and the stories are well researched. I love the spooky beginning to each podcast, and you can really tell that they look into the history of each haunting. Plus, it doesn't hurt that Jesse is pretty hot. It's weird she spelled Dave wrong. But, oh, well, that's uh, actually Rob. <laughs> if you like your ghost with a side of laughter, this is the show for you. They're never going to read this. So I guess I can <laughs> say I'm gloomy in Chicago. I approve of this message. <laughs> Way Great. to Doc's Blowmy in Chicago, which is her real name. Sorry. Yep. All right. So let's uh, thank our patrons real quick for our VIPs. We have Allison V. We have Blazora. We have Captain Kitty. Tibbles has 10 toes on one foot. We have Dakota G. Donnie N. Glitter Tees Cammy from Washington. Jeannie R. Joseph S. Lisa J. Mom and Pops W. Nick. Robert H. Demon King and Inspires Gaming. That's a lot of VIPs. Thank you guys so much for being VIPs for the Warriors Awards. Before you continue, from some of the stuff we talked about tonight, I am very scared of these names that are about to come out. I know. Mm. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> so far. We're safe. Uh, we have Captain McTibble's snake bites with no punctuation. Never mind. No longer safe. <laughs> we have it updated. We have Kath Q. We have Chris Connolly, LBPS founder, next HTGS guest. We have DC, Elizabeth Young, Eugene M. Geography is hard. Lily, I hate Rob. We have Jake V, Janice G, Mar. We have Mike, get in the Mercedes. <laughs> Get in the Mercedes, Blake. <laughs> we have Papa Squatch, Rachel B, Sarah Cook, Siobhan, not Sharon. We have Steph A, evil queen of the Church of the Stephanies. We have the Refrigerator. <laughs> I completely forget about some of these terrible jokes we make until they resurface in the Patreon list. Uh, we, have the other, we have the other Rachel B. We have the Wahini Pirate. We have Al Capone, Alicia E. Anthony, Rob is old. I'm sorry. Anthony, Rob is Old as hell T. We have Arcade Hunters, Brandon W. We have Colby's Crabites were eliminated with special shampoo and a tiny Combsby. Combsby. <laughs> is it? I need to know if a Combsby is a thing or if you like fell asleep on your keyboard. <laughs> we have Crystal Quinn. We have Hooper the Hell Out. I've never had crabs, so I don't know if that's like a thing that helps with crabs. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look into it. Anyways, uh, Hooper the Hellhound, Hoska Castle. We have Huggy Bear, Joe R, Julie S, Kelly C, Kira Lee J. We have Let's All Take Some Nightmare Juice. And then for page two, we have Mark Twain of the Haunted Great McTibbles eats crabite legs with hook hands. Very well done. <laughs> we have Mark, I'm sorry, we have Megan S. We have Mersh Merlos. <laughs> what? Oh, it's making. <laughs> It's making fun of Rob. It's voice. making fun of mumbling <laughs> Rob talking about marshmallows. <laughs> marshmallows. <laughs> we have Mina That's H, good, Morgan S, Mariah M. We have one of Ghost Rob's yeeted orphans. We have orphans that exist. <laughs> Uh, we apologize to any orphans who listen to the show. We have orphans don't exist just like Rob's family. <laughs> oh, we have Paul from St. Louis. We have Pork. We have Rob's allegedly poorly orchestrated snake orgy gave me poisonous crabs. <laughs> that might be the best one. 
fucking Christ. We have uh, Sam from the Paul. We have Sassy Dave eating a fresh, mean sub over a railing. We have Sharon V's Solar Flare Soap. We have the majestic dual crowns of Dick King. We have Thick Boy Freddy allegedly poorly yeeting 13 crabby orphans out of that cabin. <laughs> nope. He wins again. Uh, we have Wayne Christie and we have Fujiwata Bang Bang loves Captain Tibbles, who is here for free congratulations to everyone on patreon i don't know why i'm saying congratulations but thank you to everyone on patreon. <laughs> congratulations for making this part of the show funnier than the rest of the show we have certainly succeeded in that anyways all right i think that'll pretty much do it for today anything else gentlemen that's gonna do it for me we are going to review a movie on friday and it is called it's what? a wonderful knife it's a wonderful knife don't fucking watch it, watch it. or you cannot, or you cannot, and you can listen to the review. But if you don't want it spoiled, go ahead and watch the movie if you like. We'll be back on Tuesday with another brand new live episode. We'll oh wait, you. oh ha, we're gonna talk oh, about right. what we're doing on Tuesday. That's right. So next Tuesday is going to be a special episode. What the we, fuck? Oh, yeah, we didn't even tell you. <laughs> it's my episode. What are you doing? Oh, you're not doing an episode. Oh, so right. here's, here's the good news. You're not doing it. God, I haven't even gotten started. What's <laughs> going on right now? Um, we will be doing a live Haunted Headlines next Tuesday at 9 p.m. And we are going to have a special guest. Shelby Scott from Scared to Sleep is going to come on and hang out with us while we tell some Haunted Headlines live with an audience. People seem to like this side content a lot, so we're going to do a live version of it. Let everyone participate with us. I'm very excited. Look at that. All right. It's going to be a good time. All right. We'll see you then. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love every single one of you. And thank you to everyone who donated gifts today and donated to the stream. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Peace.